Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s? Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field. And we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. What's up, Lance? Oh, not too much. Feeling pretty good. How are you today, Tim? I'm doing well. And Lance, this episode is the third episode in the series we're doing on the unsolved murder of Sheila Shepard from 1980 in Saratoga Springs, New York. If you haven't heard the first two, it would behoove you to go back and listen to the first two before you proceed. Yeah, pretty exciting getting to the third episode here. Uh, It was super exciting. I know I've said this numerous times, working with the investigators on the case, the current investigators, Matt Wilson and Chris Callahan, and uh, the information that they opened up to us was... uh, Unexpected at times, Tim, uh, a little disturbing at times, but uh, sort of an honor to be in the presence of people who work so hard on on this case. And Sheila Shepard was murdered in 1980 in her apartment in Saratoga Springs, New York. She was found tied to the bed with her hands and ankles tied to the bed frame and to the bed posts. And she was discovered by her uncle after a few days of her being unresponsive to friends calling. They were concerned. People where she went to school were concerned. And her uncle and her aunt and her mother went to her apartment Her uncle climbed up the fire escape through the window, and that's when he found the body of of his niece, of Sheila. He went downstairs and made sure that nobody else went into the room, and the police were called. That's where we found out that uh, she was stabbed in the stomach, right around the torso area. Postmortem, that was determined after, uh, after testing was done. And to this day, it's the only unsolved murder in Saratoga Springs history. Okay, so let's get to this third episode in our series on Sheila Shepard. And in this clip, we ask the investigators, Callahan and Wilson... Why Why was it them? Why did they feel compelled to be the ones to uh, take this case up once again and, and try to generate new life into it? Why did you guys pick up this case? Why um, you two? I, I had asked about it a, a while ago. When I, was, when I was a kid, I used to hear 
Um, I used to hear my parents talk about this case all the time. We used to uh, go to Maine in the summer every every summer for vacation. I remember my parents in the front seat talking about this, and thought it was really interesting then, especially being from Saratoga. You don't have unsolved murders, and to hear that that had happened here, and just the the circumstance of it, I thought it was really interesting. And uh, first became a police officer. I was interested in it. I read back through the computer, and there was very little in our computer about it. And uh, then I became an investigator. The Our now um, assistant chief was the head of investigations and had mentioned that they were looking to reopen this. This was anybody interested. And I, I went to him and I said, yeah, absolutely. I would okay. I'd love to work it. And he was going to pair me up with a with the investigator who had been on in 1980, who's since retired. And then, um, yeah, I can't, yeah, I, I, when I, when I got promoted out bag, it was the same thing. I had known about it growing up here. My father was a, a police officer here through the seventies and the eighties up until, you know, mid two thousands. Um, so a lot of these names I know, um, and it's just a timing thing. Uh, I don't know why they never picked it back up. Probably because it was exhausted and like everything, time flies and, 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 and it kind of gets put on the back burner yeah. and you know, life goes on and nobody really looks at it until uh, you see it sitting in a box somewhere and, and you want to you wanna kind of dive into it again and see if anything you missed, you know, uh, fresh never, eyes, you know. Yeah, it was never closed. It was never like they had, had closed it out, but it was just kind of a matter of, I know they had a couple of people that had been assigned to it that had looked into it. One of them had been assigned to it, and then he got promoted, so he went back to patrol and... Um, you know, I think it kind of, kind of passed through a lot of different hands, and I, I think, I mean, I don't want to speak for anybody who came before us, that Matt and I were the, the only ones that said, you know, like, no, no, I, you know, want yeah. time. You know, unfortunately, we don't have a big enough department where they can just exclusively let us devote uh, to to work in this case, but it's it's kind of when, when you have time and, mm-hmm. you know, in between, you know, slow times with other cases coming in, then we've just been working us wherever we can, wherever we get a chance. It's one of those cases we're getting to the point now where a lot of the younger officers that are coming on were not born during mm-hmm. this time. You know, I hate to say that I'm getting old, but they don't, they don't know about it other than what we tell them. So they don't have access to that case, like, you, you know, with, with older cases on the computer. So it's, everything's all on, on paper. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at, at some point after we go, unless somebody else thinks of it and picks it up, you know, it's... it's well, it, I wasn't born, actually, when, uh, when it happened. I, I was. <laughs> You're like, oh, no, don't, came along. don't date me right now. <laughs> so it was sort of unofficially, uh, like, informally opened back up again? So because it wasn't officially closed? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you would say, yeah. I okay. mean, they, they, you know, I guess you would, you would suspend something and then, you know, kind of look into it again. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the way they, they wrote up the case report then to now, I mean, you'd have to go, we have to go and take a new case report and now make it all digital as opposed to everything that was added to it from 80 to almost in the 90s uh, up until about 99 when we got the impact system was all handwritten documents attached to the case file. Um, so now when we, when we looked into it, now every, we're taking a whole new uh, uh, digital number to it. Yeah, yeah. So. I got lucky also. I had... I was deployed, I'm in the reserves, I was yeah. gone for, for a year and I got home last uh, November, I came back to work and my, my boss at the time was like, you know, we're, you got all your vacation time to use, so I was going to be out 
you know, does it work very sporadically. So he's like, why don't you take the rest of this year when you are here? We're not going to assign you new cases. I was working in the drug unit at the time. He's like, we're not going to assign you one of these cases. Why don't you just, you know, sink your teeth into this? We'll give you through the end of 2018. So that's when, you know, we'd set up a lot of our interviews. And when we first look back into it, there's a, you know, a list, 10 pages long, of people you want to talk to and people you want to see if they're still alive. So that was when I really had time to fully devote just to that. And, and Matt, I know the sergeant cleared, cleared him up. He's like, you know, when you guys have things going on, go ahead and focus on that. And like I said, now we're kind of back to working it in between, you know, other things in coming in and, and stuff, yeah. open investigations that we have. Yeah. What do you? What else do you have for open investigations here? So I was primarily in the in the drug unit up yeah. until actually until a couple of weeks ago. I just went back to criminal investigations, so that was a whole obviously different world of just you know running leads down or tips about this place a drug house or this guy's a drug dealer and you know that that type of cases. Um, we both do arson investigations for the department, so any suspicious fires that come in, Matt and I are the ones that they handle those. Um, I don't know. It's different. We're, you know, we're we're not NYPD, so we don't have like specialized units. It's we're all kind of a jack of all trades back there. And yeah. comes in if it's your it's your turn to, to get a case, then it, whatever it is, you know, it's a rape, a fraud, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the killer is still in the town? You know, I <laughs> I don't know. There's no, you know, it's one of those things. Like one day I'm like. He's, he's here, he's probably watching us, and then other days I'm like, this guy is probably somewhere gone in another state somewhere, if not dead, you know, he was a, he kind of passed through, did his thing, like a serial killer somewhere, and then we just never, never linked him. You know, I, it's just one of those, I, I can't say yes or no. There's been a bunch of suspects, especially when I first started going through this case, with the case file is two giant, you know, binders, plus a lot of throw-ins and a, full tote, you know, of a case. So they're initially reading it. There was three or four people where I'd read and say, oh, my, this is our guy. You know, it's, it's definitely is, uh, is our suspect. And then you go in further and you hear about somebody else. You're like, well, this is our guy. And this this sounds like him. And it's, you know, there's definitely, it's uh, it's not like a very cut and dry where there's, you know, one person where I'd, you know, you could say, yeah, yeah that's, that's our that's our killer, you know, that's our yeah. suspect. There's... She also, I mean, she was gone. She moved back from Colorado from back in what, August? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she was, she's just newly September. back in town, or September. Wow. Um, you know, she's she's young, but at this point in her life, at what, 20? 22. 22, she's already has a kid. She's always been married. She's already separated from the, from the husband, and now she's back living here. In, in a town where her, her social life is more of a downtown life where there's a, she comes into contact with lots of people. So now you start looking like, remember, you're hanging out with this person, hanging out with that person. So all these names start to jump out just because of, you know, her, her lifestyle and, and how she's been living for the last few years of her life. Mm-hmm. So, Were a lot of those people that you uh, mentioned in the case files as being persons of interest, were a lot of those people interviewed? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they interviewed a lot of, lot of people. Yeah. Interrogated or, and uh, everything. Yeah, you know, I, we weren't there for the. Yeah. For, you know, I don't know what the. I know they, they brought a lot of people in to to, to talk with them. Um, it was it was kind of one of those those things when when we first opened it when we first started looking into it that you know, I love those cold case files and datelines and those shows where they solve these 
these old homicides, like, you know, kind of selfishly, you hope, like, well, I hope we'll come across something glaring, like, well, they missed this, yeah. or they didn't talk to this person. It'll be an easy, you know, go focus and talk to them. And one of those ones we hear it solved because there's some guy that was just missed and never talked to, and there, there really wasn't any of that. It was, you know, as far as reading back, like, the detectives at the time just ran down every lead, you know, every viable name, and there, there's stuff that comes in that is is crazy and even even that stuff they're they're talking with um you know people that say i had a dream that so-and-so killed her like okay and they go and they interview them even though it's based on in nothing but mm. and uh the detectives at the time actually and the detective lieutenant went out to colorado and talked to people that she knew out there at the time like is it possible somebody came back here the old boyfriend or mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, guys in, in California that she knew she'd been out there for a time that they interviewed and you know, there really wasn't any any stone unturned that I that I saw going through the yeah. you know, we the were able to... case file. And this next clip, we're walking the streets with investigators Callahan and Wilson and talking about some of the bars and the scene in that day. That one video I sent you, the news mm -hmm. story, they're, uh, they got this place behind her. It's like a yellow, it's a yellow sign up here with black lettering. Uh, yeah, yeah. It says the Golden Grill. And you can, just kind of an interesting, like how far Saratoga's come, back around the corner here where the library is now, it's like literally just piles of like rubble. Oh, I mean, really? It looks like modern day, like Detroit. You yeah. Know, some of the areas are just, you know, abandoned. And uh, like I said, that ur urban renewal really. Yeah, this was all bricked over. So these glasses were not, were not here. Mm -hmm. And this bar was more of a, a bar you wouldn't bring your first date. It was. <laughs> yeah. Kind yeah. of that kind of a okay. reputation. There were a lot of fights and stuff going on in there. Um, Definitely a rough, you know, a rougher, rougher scene yeah. in general back in that in that time. You know, talk to the older officers, and you know, I'm sure Matt's dad could could tell you. You know, yeah, it was to have, probably having your nightstick out every night. You know, <laughs> having to come to these bars and, and break up fights. Not that way now, though. Not as much. I mean, Not we definitely much. still get our. Our problems, especially the big nights, but you know, for for the most part, people are, are pretty well behaved. Especially when you look at the the huge numbers of people that will get down here, and you know, in the, in the summertime, a busy night, you'll get ten thousand people on a street that you know, two and a half blocks long. So yeah, it's, wow. You know, we certainly got our hands full, and that's with yeah. like eight cops or so working. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was just empty at the time. Yeah, if you look at that that shot I'm talking about from the news story, I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. When you see in the background, it just looks like yeah, it wasn't much. Yeah. So if you're moving, going to any of the other bars, I mean, there, there was a bar up on on Filer Street, but mostly you're gonna go walk this way uh, to hit any of the bars, maybe on the way home. Mm -hmm. So you know, my guess would be if she was here last, she's gonna go down through here and either up Caroline Street, the Broadway to home. Um, this was Madame Jamel's. There was a bar down here that a lot of people frequented. It was kind of popular at the time. And now we start talking about some other cases that happened in the area. And the beginning of this clip, we are uh, near a, a bar now that's called Dango Fitzgerald's in uh, Saratoga Springs. Used to be called something different back in the day. Um, but I think this is kind of an interesting uh, part as well. See if any of these cases could be connected. And one of those cases, which is an unsolved murder, but in adjacent county, 
happened six years after Sheila Shepard. And it's interesting to hear their take on that. It was a young woman named Pamela DeVizio. She was last seen leaving a Saratoga bar on July 4th, and she was found just outside the jurisdiction with her head actually smashed and she was uh, placed in a ditch. That were the other uh, unsolved murder I was telling you. Uh-huh. The sheriff's department, the girls found out in Saratoga oh, yeah. County. Yeah. This is the uh, the bar that she's last seen at. Wow. And what was her name? Pamela? Uh, uh, Pam DeVizio. Okay. That was in, I want to say, 87. Yeah. So July, uh, July 4th. She's seen, she's seen there, and she starts walking, but she's walking up the other direction, but away from, from this bar here. Dude, is there any connection that you guys? Not that we can see. Yeah. Um, you know, there very well could be. I don't, I don't want to say yes or no, but not, not that we can see. From... We, and we sat down with that investigator from the county who's working that as a, as a cold case now, and he brought over the crime scene photos from where she's found and how she's found, and our crime scene photos, I mean, that was, uh, you know, very violent, very just uh, looks at a rageful, you know, attack, yeah. and this doesn't seem to be. I mean, obviously, anytime you kill somebody, it's it's not an act of, of love. Yeah, this bar here now is called Dango Fitzgerald's. It's an um, Irish pub. It was called Madame Jamel's at the time. That was in, like I said, I want to say 1986, 87. Uh, young woman named Pamela DeVizio is working here, uh, 4th of July. That's when she's last seen. She has a, um, like an after shift cocktail, or she'd been out that night, stops back here for a cocktail, and then is walking back to her apartment, which is up um, in the east side of town over here. That's the last that she's ever seen alive, and she's found out in uh, Saratoga County in a rural area in like a, a drainage ditch. Yeah. Somebody driving by, see, or I think walking his dog, ends up finding her. So that, um, that's also an unsolved murder. That one is our, uh, our county sheriffs have that jurisdiction because it's not in, in our city here. But, you know, it's, it's got a connection. Yeah, it was something yeah. that we definitely wanted to look into. We're like, you know, like, so you don't get a lot of women getting murdered, going missing from here. And she's last seen leaving the bar district. Um, How was she killed? Uh, looks like she was beaten with some sort of blunt instrument. Blunt object to the head. Yeah, so she's, I mean, she's. Just, just to the head? Badly. I don't think there was any other uh, wounds. No, it's, it's more to the, to the head, but then she's been out. It looks like it's like a couple of days that she's out in summertime. Mm-hmm. So I think somebody actually, that's what it was, somebody going by sees like an animal, like guy's dog had gotten, gotten out. So they don't know exactly how much that's from the attack, how much is from her being out, you know, in the elements exposed mm-hmm. to you know, animals going by, you know, whatever else. So completely uh, different M.O. was from uh, Sheila, right? Looks different than... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, Sheila's, um, it's the cause of death was uh, asphyxiation. So she has, a, she has a gag in her mouth, and then it's, the, the scene is almost staged to look like it's violent. She's, she's tied up, she's stabbed in the abdomen, but it all looks to be post-mortem. Like the stab wound, they, they're like it. Stab wound, they, they have a picture from the autopsy where the knife doesn't hit any organs. Any organs, yeah. Just nothing right that would, and it's a small, it's like a, it's a, not a butter knife, but it's like yeah, the size small, of a butter knife, like. Steak knife, like a small yeah. steak knife. But you'd have trouble cutting a steak with it. It's not, yeah. definitely not like a, you know, Was a it still in so, It was still yeah. in when, when they found her, yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's like in evidence right now and everything? 
we we have a lot of uh, stuff that we've sent down to the to the state police yeah. lab, and um, I just called them the other day, you know, hoping to get an update for you guys before you came in here. And they're like, you know, you're unfortunately you're still in the in the queue, you know, waiting. And we turned the stuff oh, in, okay. in in November, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, we're definitely going to get it assigned and get all this stuff now tested for for DNA and retest all the fingerprints, make sure to put them in the national uh, database. But they're like, you know, unfortunately. The, the hits keep coming, you know, yeah. so when they get a new murder or something that goes to the, to the top of the list or, or something that's scheduled for trial that they're like, they'll put a rush on it, you have to get this tested and, and go forward with that. So um, I'm just hopefully going to keep annoying them to the point yeah. that, you know, they'll bump us up some, I get tired of hearing, hearing yeah. from and, me. Yeah. And there's a chance that there's uh, some break in the case based on that evidence? We certainly hope we like, so. We like to hope so, but yeah. then, you know, you got to figure... They're collecting evidence, not for DNA purposes, right. you know. So anybody who's anybody's touching it, um, when it's stored, who's mm-hmm. touching it, mm-hmm. who's moving boxes, you know, their, 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 their packaging is not the same as it is now. Um, they have also gone through several different moves where, yeah. we, where they moved evidence to different locations. As time went on, we had to rebuild. They had to rebuild different places. So who knows what was in there? You know, damage to to the elements uh, from the elements and whatnot. So it's you know you try to be hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> but you also don't want to get your hopes up too much because yeah. you just know how things were. You know the DNA. Do you or, think it's going to end up being something if it is solved that it would be something with DNA or would it be something where someone confesses? That's just I would, your gut feeling on either. that. I would take <laughs> yeah. either. For yeah. me, I would like to see a, a, a piece of evidence that no one thought to get DNA off of. Yeah. And, and, and then find it that way, yeah. or at least a, a starting point. Do you have an idea of what that would be? I don't. There was a lot of odds and end items from the from the apartment yeah. that we still had that we sent yeah. out there that maybe was touched that no one thought to, to test, like magazines and stuff like yeah. that. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's you know it, it's it's one of those things where the the, the way that it was handled, not putting a, a, a you know. Not degrading anyone else's, you know, how they did things, but it was a different world back then. We didn't yeah. have DNA. It was more Well, they didn't know what they were... They would, yeah, no they, one's... They didn't have the foresight to... Because it didn't exactly. exist. Exactly. It didn't exist. Yeah. So it's yeah. like there was going for fingerprints and... Yeah. So... Um, Is and, there any clothing left? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. No, there's there's some clothing, you know, from the time. And, and they, you know, it seems like they did a great job of just collecting everything. You're like, you know, if it could possibly be involved, just take it and secure you know better to better to have it not need it mm-hmm. you know type thing than, yeah. than vice versa the one piece that we had sent in we got a report back a serology report that first thing they did was test everything for for blood and they did find a uh, a shoe in the apartment that, that tested positive in the serology report so that was really exciting but now then that has to go for for dna testing you know find out who's Whose blood we're talking about and blood on the so shoe, blood on the shoe, on the shoe and yeah. Sheila's shoe in the apartment. Yeah. Yep. So we're, you know, obviously that's a great place to start. You know, as far as somebody would, uh, a lot of explaining to do of why their why their <laughs> blood would be on a shoe yeah. in, a, you know, apartment of a murder victim. And another unsolved murder that we touch on is Jennifer Hammond, who uh, part of her body was located in Saratoga County, New York, in 2009. I was sent an article about um, this Jennifer Hammond, who was found in Ballston Spa. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we're staying, right? Yeah. So uh, that's obviously huge eight, uh, year difference. That was 2003, it seems like. But um, I don't know too much about that case. Yeah. I know. I, I remember hearing about it. I know the sheriff's department. We have another missing person that we believe is a homicide. She was 14 mm. and 86. We haven't found the body yet. Um, the person of interest that we believe or that the other investigators were believe did it is no longer with us either. Mm. Um, and we just digged on the property where we thought she was buried. Oh, really? Up negative, yeah. You just uh, did that? We just did that. Right. Uh, not last year, year two before. Two years ago. Two years wow. ago. Um, but the mother still talks to me. She'll still mm-hmm. call once, uh, you know, if I hear anything or not. Yeah. Uh, she was actually at the... Um, seminar where we met you guys. Where we met you oh, guys. Really? She was there with, uh, who's uh, the other? Uh, the, from upstate New York. Oh, yeah. Lyle, right? Susan right. Lyle's Susan Lyle. Laura. That's great that she's so active. Yeah, it's a long time, but yeah. even talking to her, talking to the, the sister, they, uh, News Channel 13 did a story and they interviewed me in regards to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you talk to the, the mom and, you know, how this 14-year-old was hitchhiking to, and hanging out with a, a, a 30-year-old man mm-hmm. and all this stuff going on and nobody really seemed to think it was that big of a deal. Mm. It, it, almost, it paints a picture of the 80s, like, what was going on back then? Yeah. You know, it was just, yeah, it was a different... Different time, different age, and, and, and people a little more lax um, than they are now. You know, you, you, when you tell the story, you, you, even with this, you know, you, the, the red flags kind of pop up as maybe then you didn't think much of it. Yeah. It's interesting to think about the time periods like that, like the 60s and 70s, and, mm-hmm. you know, the 80s weren't that far removed. No. But so much happened. So much happened from, like, like 1966 to 86 you know yeah. it feels like 50 years yeah and then you you know we come from it from this point of view we're like you know why would you ever hitchhike why would you ever yeah, exactly. like leave your your window open yeah you know like that or I your doors unlocked nobody had those stories then yeah, yeah your keys in your car mm-hmm. yeah like, i can't even wrap my head around like i would never do that on purpose yeah well all the crazy stuff that happened then that we're dealing you know that we're looking into is the reason why we don't do it now right yeah exactly That's why yeah keep my kid inside yeah yeah we had that conversation <laughs> about yeah i still get in fights with my wife though whenever i have to go to move her car, get something out of the car. I'm like, why is your car always locked? Like, it's in our driveway. Like, we're, <laughs> like, in a, you know, a quiet, like, you know, cul-de-sac neighborhood. And she's like, yep, you say that now, but. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, I don't I don't always think to lock the door, but we also have a, a pit bull. And in this line of work, it's 99 times out of 100, somebody coming to burglarize your house or break in, you know, they're looking for a soft target. I'm like, that one bark out of that guy, and they're not going to stick around to find out he's friendly. And now we're back at the police station, and actually inside the police station. Lance, first time in years for me. How about you? Uh, First time that we went into a police station where we voluntarily went into a police station, at least. (laughs) That's not true, actually. That's not true, yeah. (laughs) It was interesting to be in that police station because I always have this perception of a, you know, slick, like, CSI scene, but... Uh, you get a really uh, solid reality check when you see how hard these uh, men and women of any police force, but this one in particular, the Saratoga police force, I mean, there's stacks of paper. They have their case files out. 
they have writing on the wall, literally writing on, on the walls. And it's just an ongoing uh, wheel of work that you can see happens on a daily basis there. Yeah. And that's a part of this conversation. We kind of talk about how there's differences today and how there was back then. This will bring with us tomorrow. So this, uh, this binder is this and that other blue binder right here are the, the case file of what okay, was, wow. was transferred over this and, and this that are all, yeah. you know, mostly hand, uh, you know, hand rolled typewriter, but a lot of, you know, handwritten stuff that, you know, call came in and, you know, mm-hmm. patrol officer writes his report or, you know, type depending on whether it's, you know, really investigator or supervisor, if they had access to a typewriter at mm-hmm. the time, you name it, you know, real good tips of, um, you know, oh, I think I saw her with this person at this time, up, right up through, uh, you know, I had a dream that uh, that this person killed her, and you should probably go talk to them, to, you know, they got cases from uh, from Ithaca, from, from Buffalo, different serial killers that were active at the time that people had called in. It's, I mean, it's really pretty impressive that, you know, without a, you know, an internet that they were able to, to look up these cases all, you know, around the country, it's, I still don't really fully understand how it worked at the time that they mm-hmm. could be in contact with, you know, with a Buffalo PD to even find out they had, you know, something where it's like a similar MO mm-hmm. to uh, to this one. How often do you look through that? Um, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you know something. Or I've been I've been going through you know more uh, more recently with with you guys coming here to kind of refresh my. My memory of, of different details because there's so much and you see you know so many follow-ups so many names so you're like why do I remember that name or who was yeah. was this person again but when you know when I first got the case it was literally just months of, of every day going through and then making my own notes and like okay go back and, and talk to this guy or try to find out where this guy is because um, you know some of them they're like they're um, you know a nickname of you know go go find mm-hmm. this this guy you know Willie okay okay who's Willie you know and how yeah. do we start to find out, you know, who he is or what his real name is and, you know, phone number. So it's, you know, definitely like putting a, putting a puzzle together. Mm. You know, certainly we're, we're lucky that we still have uh, Tom Mitchell and Dan Jewett and the, the guys that had worked, you know, worked us at the time that, mm-hmm. that both have been really, you know, fresh too. When, I, when I've called him just to, to run some of the bio, I've called Tom a couple of times because something will pop into my mind. Like, hey, did you ever think of this? We try that. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember that was, that was a Thursday. And, in July, and we did that. Like, God, like he's it's crazy, you know, the stuff that they still remember from this right. uh, from this case. Yeah. So, with it, without having the detectives from the time, it definitely would have been much more of an uphill battle than it already is, which it is. Yeah. Is there anything that, like, do you go through that and you see something that you didn't see before? Yeah, I mean, I was just making a. And what's that feeling like? After you are looking um, into this for so long, and it, it's one of those. Some, oh, I don't want to interrupt them, but there's times where I've looked at something. And I'm like, and I hadn't looked at it in a while, and I'm looking. And I go, did I read this already? It looks new now, and he's yeah. like, no, yeah, no, that was this, this, and you know, mm-hmm. and I have to get you know reminded that. But yeah, there's certain ones that where we've read them. You know, like I've no, I've read them, and, and Matt's read them, and something doesn't jump out to you. But like this was, you know, this was a list that I just made in the last. You know, two days. You know, those two pages of, you know, going back through. Like, well, you know, what actually, what about this guy? Let's let's mm-hmm. see if we can find this this person who's mentioned, you know, just even in, in passing in the in the case report. And then there was one that I just gave him this afternoon, like an hour before you guys got here. I'm like, hey, do you, you remember reading this? Like, this definitely sounds like somebody that, you know, we'll want to want to talk to. So, mm-hmm. 
I guess that's the point now of going going back through and back through is, you know, you hope it's it's something where uh, did I miss did I miss something and then, you know, going back. Sometimes I have and just recently like okay now I got a new list of people to mm-hmm. to interview and talk to and go back and talk to again. That's how I how I started was going through just reading through the whole binder and I had a um, you know a pad of paper a legal pad and filled you know five pages of just names you know and then how they're related just a real quick one sentence and filled you know probably four or five pages of these are the people I want to talk to and we started with the uh, detectives that worked it initially and then went from there to her family to her close friends and we're uh, you know we're holding off on on suspects for the most part because. We do have the, uh, the evidence out, you know, with the state police lab. So wait until that comes back first, and hopefully it'll steer us. How know, many suspects direction. do you have? I mean, ones that have been already vetted back then and, and ruled out, or just... Current ones that have not been ruled out. Six. Uh, six? Six, seven. <laughs> it fluctuates every time I look at that thing. Wow. Okay. You feel pretty good that the killer is one of those six or seven. Uh, yeah, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Because yeah. um, you know, like Matt said, like if it's if it's somebody that she just met who was you know in town for for a night and you know one of those like just uh, you know real unfortunate meetings where you know she met the wrong person and went home with her, then you know I don't other than DNA, I don't know how you ever identify that you mm-hmm. know that person. Whereas you know, the hope is that it's somebody that's known to her that's in, you know, in yeah. one of these two binders somewhere because that's, you know, a lot better of a, a starting point for us, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more. Do you think that person's in the binder? Um, I think so. You know, I'm I'm pretty confident if I had to, to lean, but I would say I'm more of a, you know, 60-40 than 90-10 sure. with somebody in here because yeah. I also just got a, a tip. I think I was telling Tim on the phone of my, my sergeant mentioned to me a couple weeks ago. He goes, you know, I'm just... Uh, watching something on investigative network or something and this this guy popped up that was a serial killer in, in Buffalo, New York mm-hmm. in uh like in the late seventies and eighties and he's like, you know, you may wanna he's still you know, still in custody. You know, maybe you guys wanna, you know, see what you can do with, with that. And uh so I, I don't know. I kinda hope from my hope from this is that it's something that's a call comes in or a tip comes in of something to really focuses on somebody that we've already thought of, mm-hmm. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. And most of the informa- information that we pushed out, you know, since it started, you know, back in the 80s, was, was your local news, mm-hmm. you know, and which covers in Capital District. So if, is, if, if some of these people that might have been involved are no longer here, they're not, you know, obviously watching News Channel 13, you know, in, in yeah. Colorado or, or yeah. wherever. So reading it's like Saratogian. reading the Saratogian. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to push the information a little bit farther out, outside of the Capitol District yeah. to see if maybe there's somebody out there that's like, you know what, I was in Saratoga during this time, and I, I kind of remember meeting this girl, you know, in the downtown area that looked like this woman, and, and she was with some, you know, uh, person and described that person, you know. I never thought of it until, you know, something came up and jogged their memory. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, somebody's wife or husband. It says, yeah, actually, my husband told me you know, years ago this girl he killed in upstate New York, and never really knew where it was or where to look. Oh, or... She was just pulling my leg until so now I'm right. reading the story about it. You know? That's that's an actual story. Yeah. Oh. No, no, I'm just saying. I mean, no, I mean, that's just you know, that's oh, my, the hope that's is, my right? the hope yeah, is gotcha. you know, yeah, because um, every murder you ever hear of, other than you know somebody like a 
you know, Berkowitz or, or one of these, you know, act alone serial killers, they tell somebody, you yeah. know, like you, mm -hmm. I've never really heard of a, a murder unless it's like a serial killer type person where they just go to their grave and they never mention this thing. You know, it's, it, it seems hard to fathom that that could, you know. Usually the cases they tell a lot of people. Yeah. You know, yeah. and those people just don't even, mm -hmm. you know, do anything about it or they don't think they're serious or, yeah. you know. I yeah, and we're we're hoping with this, and we started kind of trying to get the media, you know, to put this stuff out, and they were interested as well. Like last November, we did a few different stories, but like Matt said, they're all local. They're all local in our local paper, and thinking we get this flood of new calls coming in, and we got like six phone calls, mm -hmm. you know, about this. So it wasn't definitely wasn't what we've been been hoping for, but you know, like he said, maybe uh, maybe it's somebody who left Saratoga in. 1980 and hasn't come back since so mm. you know we're hoping that uh, I mean somebody didn't want to come forward then or was scared or for whatever reason then they'll they'll see something and say you know I want to get this off my chest and yeah. had this information for almost 40 years now yeah I mean with yeah. the Tammy McCormick case I was talking to you guys about when when the officers did it in 2012 um, they went back, talked to all the officers that were involved in it, and that was back in 86, and they said, who should we, you know, who would you talk to again if you had to go back and do it? Because I would talk to this person, and like, well, why this person? He's not even listed, you know, anywhere in the case, except like a small blurb. And he goes, well, you know, it was, nobody took him seriously. He was a kid, and no one really wanted to talk to him. So they, you know, they, they traveled out to, to Buffalo and, and spoke to him, and the first thing out of his mouth is, this is about my friend Tammy, and... What took you guys so long to come out here? Uh, you know, so it's one of those things. Like I kind of hoped that would happen with us. Yeah. You know, you know, what took you so long to come out and talk to me? You know, you know who you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. And here's a funny clip about a page in the in the file in the case file that uh, is about her mom reporting on her son. What's crazy about that is that was just one example of the hundreds, maybe thousands, of reports that they got in over the subsequent days and months and years uh, following Sheila's death. And they have to follow up on all of those. Oh, yeah, this is one of those ones we were talking about where you get the random, you know, call just comes in that this guy's a weirdo. So yeah. you got to take a look at him. Really nothing to connect him to Saratoga. Or, oh, this sounds like the mom wanted to get her, get her son out of the house. They would uh, record a lot of the uh, tip lines. Oh, yeah, actually read this one. Contacted the caller. She reports her son has no connection to the homicide, but that she mentioned his case in front of the deputy when he was there in an attempt to scare her son. States that he's unemployed and just hangs around the house all day. She thought this may shake him up enough to get him seeking employment. Well, that's good to use an open murder investigation to get your son to get a job. And in this final clip, we uh, discuss what may be an interesting clue in the case. Yeah, and as I said before, this one, you know, potential lead or, or this one element is truly fascinating to me. It's just something that stands out because I don't know if someone would just imagine a light in there. Uh, and enough to the, to the effect of spe specifying it as, as a flashlight, sort of darting around in the dark. That's incredibly telling to me, and I, I wish we knew more about it. Yeah, it's sort of a clue that plays out in uh, some of the next episodes in this series. So uh, we'll uh, we'll come back to this one for sure. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh yeah, this is definitely what got me uh, got me excited when I was if I was working at the time when they went by and saw the light on in the apartment. I thought somebody had gone back to the scene. 
I saw what appeared to be the light of a flashlight inside the apartment. That's yeah, a week later. At 11.48 p.m., that would certainly get my attention. Usually. 